Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And yes, this is a surprise second episode today. Um, there's just so much happening. Um, I really didn't expect all of this um, stuff to come out. Um, you know, there was a whole... Over the weekend, there was just a bunch of stuff that happened. And I felt like... You know, if I got if I took care of those stories, then everything else would be fine. And then, and then, the gossip just kept getting crazier and crazier. So, surprise second episode. Yay! Um, this could mean that at some point I'm going to take a day off this week. But Will probably won't let me. <laughs> and I'm going to hear it for that joke. I just want you to know. Um, so, speaking of hearing it, rumor has it that Adele was seen getting flirty and kissing a new man. The new man in her life allegedly looks like her ex, or soon-to-be ex-husband, Simon. I'm not even going to bother with his last name. Um... And people are really starting to speculate now what, you know, what happened, what's going on in the marriage. Or what went on in that marriage. Here's what a source says. Uh, Adele is a strong woman and is determined to get on with her life. Like any normal person who is getting over a marriage breakup. She has developed a real soft spot for American guys since living in L.A. and had a kiss with a very handsome gentleman in in a New York bar. He had a big beard like Simon, but it was tidier and more groomed. They're getting to know each other, but Adele is by no means looking for anything serious. Her son, Angelo, is her main focus. She's young and having fun. Her pals have have even been joking that she should download Tinder. So, and this all follows last month when um, she and her apparent best friend, Jennifer Lawrence, were spotted out at pieces. First of all, any of her friends who are um, recommending that she download Tinder, no. Mm-mm. No. No, I have nothing against dating apps. I actually think that they're very useful. But when you have a woman like Adele, who is very successful, very and very famous, you don't necessarily want her to get on Tinder and get a bunch of dick pics sent to her. You know, um, I don't know if Hinge is strictly like um, LGBTQ app, but something like Hinge or Bumble is probably the better bet. Um, yes, I I actually used Bumble for a while. Um, I, I used it to, um, meet guys. I also used it to, um, make business connections. So, I mean, it, those apps are good for things. Um, but with Bumble, um, and I, I, there's another app that does this. I forgot what it, which one it is. Um... But 
in a male-female relationship, the female has to message the uh, male first, assuming that you both swipe right. Um, and that's probably what Adele needs right now, is she needs to make the first move. She needs to take her power back. And, you know... Just get everything together. Um, the other thing is, who cares if she's making out? Like, okay, yeah, it's a great gossip story. I'm not even going to lie. When I read that, I was like, ooh, yes, I need to build a whole episode around this. <laughs> Luckily, celebrities were behaving badly and didn't, did not make my job hard. <laughs> but... Um, you know, the the truth of the matter is, it's not that huge of a scandal in terms of, oh my god, she was kissing a man. I was kissing a man, too. No one batted an eye. You know, and what's the difference between me and Adele? Besides the fact that she's a woman and is a multimillionaire and can sing. <laughs> Oh, stick around where we have much more gossip coming for you. And our last segment tonight is going to be all about John Singleton. So, um, stick around. I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And just so you guys know, I had to re-record this segment because I I, I realized um, that I spoiled some of this. So, just so you know, there will be spoilers for Avengers Endgame. Um... In this segment. So if you don't want to hear them, skip this segment and go to the next one. <sighs> okay. That, that should have given you enough time to skip if you don't want to hear these spoilers. And they're very mild spoilers. Um, you've probably already seen them on the internet anyways. Um, but in any case... Um, what, what I have been talking about is Avengers Endgame made $1 billion. $1 billion. It's first weekend out. And Disney Marvel is probably the only production company that could pull off that kind of feat. And I'm not being facetious here. You know, this Endgame was 22 movies in the making. It made super... I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was already a superstar, but I made superstars out of um, Chris Evans and Tom... Holland and um, I'm blanking on people's names. Anyways, you know, you don't know what I'm saying. Like, people are are big stars on commanding huge paychecks because they were part of this franchise. Um, and Warner Brothers finally got one of their comic book adaptations. Aquaman over the one billion mark, but that was over the course of its entire life, not opening weekend. Um, so, and now here, here come the the mild spoiler. So please tune out if you don't want me to mark Ruffalo this. Um, we know Chris Evans is done playing Captain America now. We know um, Robert Downey Jr. is done playing Iron Man now. 
Although there is some speculation that um, Robert Downey Jr. could show up in like hologram form um, to advise people and whatnot. Although there's nothing concrete yet and it remains to be seen if, if they would even want that. Um, as for the Mark Ruffalo um, mentioned earlier, he, just like Tom Holland, is well known for spoiling um, the Indian movies, especially the MCU. And it was rumored that he actually wanted to go on the press tour with Tom Holland because that way they were both together and neither one of them could be blamed if spoilers came out because, hey, you know, we, you know we have loose lips. Instead, they, instead Disney Marvel sent him on the press tour with Brie Larson and he was so happy he made it. Um, the entire press tour without revealing any spoilers. And this was actually a really big thing because he had previously he had um, spoiled Thor Ragnarok and the ending to. Avengers Infinity War. So, him making it to the finish line here is a big deal, despite what um, some people might say. So, yay, congratulations, Mark. We are so proud of you. And so was Brie Larson. Um, they did a Instagram video at the premiere of Endgame, and um, Mark had said, you know, made it to the end, whatever, blah, 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 and Brie was like, yeah, you made it, like, a very supportive friend, like, it was so cute and gracious, um, and, you know, honestly, hashtag squad goals, except for Dave and Mandy would actually do that for me, um, <laughs> And, and to be honest, Will probably would too. Um, <coughs> would not be an episode without me coughing at you. Um, but anyways, it also makes me wonder, because I didn't realize that Mark Ruffalo had this reputation for spoiling um, these movies. So I do kind of wonder if there is something to um, the blind item that suggested that an actor was going to be fired if he continued to have loose lips um, in the MCU. Um, At the time, I guess it was Tom Holland because it was all over that, you know, they didn't even give Tom Holland a script. They just gave him his lines and kind of just said, this is what you're doing. They didn't tell him who he was fighting or anything of that sort. Um, But now I'm kind of wondering if maybe the blind wasn't referring to Mark Ruffalo. Um, Because it wouldn't be the first time that the Hulk was recast either. Um, And that was one of the big things that they said is this would not be 
the first time that this role has been played by someone else, if they do decide to fire him. Um, I guess we'll know when Blind Gossip reveals it. And until then, well, not until then, I'm just going to go and come right back. I don't know where I was going with that. And I'm back. So y'all know I love me some Madonna. Um, And not just because it's required to keep my gay card. (laughs) No, I really do. I love Madonna. Um, I think she's brilliant. She's a brilliant businesswoman. She's a brilliant um, performer. Uh, performer. I, I almost said performance artist, and I was like, that's not right. Um, um, but she is a brilliant performer. And more than anyone else, she knows how to reinvent herself. Um, in fact, I read an article this weekend um, that was comparing her and Taylor Swift. Whereas Madonna, even if, even if the era fails... Or does it live up to expectations? Uh, um, Madonna never goes back to what was successful. She keeps trucking and trying to find the next piece um, that will be successful. And one of the, I think one of the things that we really need to, or that really should be admired about Madonna is she never, or not she never, She is always one step ahead of the curve. Um, I don't know if you guys remember American Life, but it was kind of, um, not kind of, it was very much EDM influenced. And people hated it. And then a year or two later, boom, that was the trend. Um, Same thing with Ray of Light. It was very... um, that was, I think that was Elden that first won her some Grammys, but um, that, that's not what I, where I was going with that. Um, it just dawned on me. Anyways, um, with Ray of Light, it was very, um, it was still very dance heavy, um, but you know, it was very personal, almost singer songwritery. And that was actually very... It was a critical smash. It was... Um, it sold them like a gazillion units. And once again, she proved that, you know, she could reinvent herself. So with this upcoming Madam X, she's doing something weird. Um, the woman is a spy. And she said um, last year in articles that I read that she was going to... Um, let the time that she spent traveling to, like, Africa and Latin countries influence the sound. And that could either be really good or really terrible. Um, the first single, it, uh, Medellin, is taking a minute to grow. Um, it wasn't an out-of-the-gate out success, except for on the Latin charts. The Latin people love it. Um, but once again, I think Madonna is onto something. I think she's really, um, building to something special here. And I think part of that is going to be part of, um, it's going to be, uh, it would help if I could talk. (laughs) Part of that is going to be... 
um, launch with her Billboard Music Awards performance, which is reportedly going to cost five million dollars for prosperity's sake or posterity's sake that is going to cost just under one million dollars one million dollars per minute that she's performing her set is expected to be seven minutes long um she is expected to have cgi holograms the whole kitten poodle and she she's been rehearsing and she put up an instagram photo that said madam x wants her feet to hurt she knows that pain is beauty a latin dancer emoji hashtag bbmas and no, I'm really feeling it. Um, when she launched Rebel Heart with um, Living for Love, she kind of went in a wacky direction that I don't know that anyone really knew what she was doing. She may not even knew, but the song was so good. Um, and, you know, I just have to keep saying that because Living for Love is a really, really great song. And it does, I actually believe that it deserved to be, um, it, it deserved to be bigger than what it was. Um, it was no Bitch on Madonna, which should have been lead single. Um, but what do I know? <laughs> well, here's what I know. I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. So, one of the things that I've been wanting to talk about is Harper Lee. Um, She was a phenomenal woman. Um, She grew up with Truman Capote. They were actually very, very good friends, which is something that a lot of people don't realize about them. Um, They grew up together, they moved to New York, um, and reconnected and became friends even though they had two very different lifestyles. No, I'm sorry, I don't think Harper Lee moved to New York. I, he, Truman Capote, would go back to their hometown and see her. Um, of course, he had several brilliant works, um, but until a few years ago, she only had one published book um, to her credit, which was To Kill a Mockingbird, which is considered by almost everyone to be a classic, um, and quite possibly the great American novel. And it was a shock a few years ago, just before her death, when the so-called sequel to um, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ghost of the Watchmen, came out. Now, there's there have been rumors and fighting about whether or not Ghost of the Watchmen was actually a true sequel. We're not going to talk about that. Um, mostly because I have very, very strong feelings. If you don't believe me, just ask Mandy. We, we, she and I have had this talk. Um, because allegedly she was forced to um, publish this book. Um, she didn't want to. Someone took advantage of her um, in her 
in her, um, I don't want to say feeble state, but she was elderly and it, the book came out and she would, um, she didn't want it to, basically. But there's another book, a true crime book, that she was supposed to be working on and was, um, she went to the town, was taking copious notes, but we don't know whatever happened. So, um, Casey, uh, Casey Sepp had this to say. She does a tremendous amount of reporting and research, and the mystery is, did she write a book or not? And if she did, where is it? Um, the book she's talking about, um, is about murders that happened in 1970, and um, basically, um, a reverend found his first wife dead. Uh, she was found bludgeoned. She was found both to have been bludgeoned and strangled. It was stages of a car accident, but there was never any thought that she had died from the car accident. And then um, the reverend was charged. But, um, that's not even the fact, I mean, that is very fascinating, please don't get me wrong. But, what's even more fascinating is that Harper Lee was supposed to be writing this book and never did. Now, Truman Capote um, wrote In True Blood. That's, I don't think that's the right title, um... I'm I'm looking up the actual title. I keep saying In True Blood, but I don't think that's right. It's not. It's In Cold Blood. Please forgive me. Um, Truman Capote wrote in, in Cold Blood, which was kind of the first true crime book. It was definitely the first narrative true crime book. Um, and it sold like crazy. It made him millions and millions of dollars. Um, and so there's a chance that Harper Lee saw this, you know, obviously to get, uh, um, to kill a mockingbird was probably making her a lot of money too, but she was so meticulous about what she put her name on and what she wanted published after to kill a mockingbird, she didn't think she could ever scale those heights again. At least that's the legend that has gone around, and that's why she only wrote the one book. Um, for a very long time, at least. Um, so now people are starting to wonder, um, and, and Miss Sepp even said, you know, hey, where's this book? Because like, um, Sepp published a book on the murders as well. Um, but is wondering why there's not one from Harper Lee if she did all this reporting and um, took all these notes. And my best guess here is Harper Lee probably had the manuscript, probably had it all done up, um, but was such a perfectionist that she decided that it wasn't good enough. 
like I said, that's just my best guess. I'm not quite 100% sure, but I think it stands to reason. And it also stands to reason that I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. And as I told you in the beginning of um, this episode, we are going to talk about John Singleton, who passed away today. Um, today is April 29th, 2019. He was only 51 years old. Um, Mr. Singleton had a stroke late last week and had been on life support. Um, Same thing as Luke Perry. Um, It is believed that he was on life support so his family could gather around him um, for their final goodbyes. Uh, Mr. Singleton, um, for those of you who don't know, um, his Magnus Opus was Boys in the Hood, which netted him um, a best act. Um, sorry, best director um, Oscar nomination and best original screenplay, of which he was the youngest, and at the time, only African American man to ever have been nominated um, for best original screenplay. He had a very storied career. Um, There's Boys in the Hood, Hustle and Flow with Taraji P. Henson, and Terrence Howard, I believe. Um, Too Fast, Too Furious, which was um, the second movie in the uh, Fast and Furious series of movies. Um... On the TV side, he was co-creator and executive producer of the FX show Snowfall, which was about the rise of cocaine. Um, I believe that was recently renamed for a third season, although it's not quite apparent yet how Mr. Singleton's death will affect uh, production or if it will at all. Um, I don't really know how involved he was, um, with that. Um, but, you can, and we've talked about this with Christoph St. John when he passed. You can always tell how popular someone actually was by the tributes that come out. So, um, you know, they're, they're always going to be the standard, rest in peace, whomever. But there are such loving tributes. Um, We're just going to read a few of them. Um, Director Guild, um, Director's Guild of America, President Thomas Schlame said, Don didn't just make his feature film debut in in 1991 with Boys in the Hood. He exploded into Hollywood, our culture, and our consciousness. With such, with such a powerful cinematic depiction of life in the inner city, the groundbreaking film would go on to make him the youngest person and the first African-American ever to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director. For the next three decades, John's career as a film director 
flourished with such culturally resonant films, ranging from Poetic Justice and Rosewood to Shaft and Too Fast, Too Furious. His expansion to television was no less powerful, with his direction of American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, earning him a DGA Award nomination for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in a Dramatic Series in 2016. I was so fortunate to be a collaborator collaborator with John on the show Snowfall and witnessed firsthand the enormous impact he had on so many. Despite such a busy and successful career, John prioritized his service at the Guild on the Western Directors Council as former co-chair of the African American Steering Committee and as an alternate on our national board showing up to support his fellow members every chance that he got. Our hearts are heavier today at the DGA as we mourn this tremendous loss. Uh, the Writers Guild of America wrote, Rest in Peace, Writers Guild of America member, screenwriter, director John Singleton. Uh, and then they list all of his credits. Jordan Peele said, Rest in Peace, John Singleton. So sad to hear. John was a brave artist and true inspiration. His vision changed everything. Regina King said, Rest in power, my friend. One of the greatest ever to do it. Thank you, God, for blessing us with this gift better known as John Singleton. Having trouble finding enough words to share just what you mean to me. We'll always love you, John. Your spirit will forever shine bright. Morris Chestnut said, Much love in my heart for this prolific man, John Singleton. Praying and staying positive for the best. Janet Jackson wrote, You gave me my first movie role, my first Oscar nomination, and so much more. Thank you for all you have given to the world through your work and all you have done for black culture, women, and young filmmakers. I will miss you, John, keeping your family in my prayers. Samuel L. Jackson said, Mourning the loss of a collaborator collaborator and true friend, he blazed a trail for many young filmmakers, always remaining true to who he was and where he came from. Rest in peace, brother. Gone way too soon. Ron Howard said, Sad, sad news. Such a good director and so well regarded everywhere he went. We will miss his work and his storytelling voice. Rest in peace. Hashtag John Singleton. And I mean, it just keeps going on and on. Um, so many people uh, were touched and by this man who who really was a giant um and he really did have an impact on our culture um he really changed the way people viewed um black culture especially but um the way black movies are made they're not black exploitation anymore because of him because he took these people or he took these stories that were in his head and created a beautiful, beautiful um, series of movies that shaped and continue to reshape how we view things and why we view them the way we do. Um, you know, I obviously I've never had the privilege to work with him. I wish I had. Um, 
But one of one of the quotes, and I don't remember it word for word, and I don't want to look it up right now. Um, but one of the quotes that I seen by him just really resonated with me. And I know other people have said variations on this, but he said, I always wanted to see my stories, the stories that affected me. And I figured no one else was telling them, why shouldn't I? And those are the words we're going to leave you with tonight. Until next time, cheers.